BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Head in the clouds, exploring weather and why. And now, here's your host, the man who knows that behind every cloud is another cloud. Meteorologist Andrew Stutsky. Welcome back to Head in the Clouds, brand new episode for the new year, 2021. And being sort of the end of February, it's time to start talking about some flooding potential. We've already seen one flood outlook in terms of river flooding for the spring season issued by the National Weather Service in the Quad Cities, calling for a near to slightly above average risk uh, to see some flooding as we go throughout the spring thaw here in the next few weeks. So what better uh, time really to have... Service hydrologists Jessica Brooks from the National Weather Service in the Quad Cities joining us to talk about that flood risk. And of course, also have along with us my weekend warrior sidekick, meteorologist Morgan Strackbine. So let's go ahead and jump right into it. Uh, Jessica, welcome to the podcast. Nice to have you back for another year. Can't believe we're talking about flooding already. Uh, this winter has just literally flown by thank goodness to the recent cold spell i think we're all ready to get out of the the winter season and get some warmth in here but of course that's going to mean more water going into the rivers some snow melting let's go ahead and check and see what we can expect this year uh, as we get to the next couple of weeks here is how do we look right now compared to where we were standing last year i know a lot has kind of changed yeah well it depends what your concerns are um, you know, if you're on the Mississippi um, or if you live along one of our other smaller rivers in the area, but um, e- even on the smaller rivers, everything generally looks much more favorable this year. So uh, less risk for flooding this year than we were looking at last year and in 2019. Um, so that's a really great thing. Um, and Mississippi itself, so we'll just start there, um, we have a slightly above normal risk for for minor flooding, like from the Quad Cities downstream. So basically where the Rock River comes in and downstream because there's a lot of water obviously coming in from the Rock River. Um, So the risk is a little bit higher for minor flooding, you know, not, you know, for the, the more significant flooding moderate, major, higher flooding like we've seen in the last couple of years. Um, the risk for that type of flooding right now is near even maybe below normal, um, even below the, the Quad Cities. Going upstream of the Quad Cities, it's kind of normal to even below normal. We just don't have the amount of water going to be coming down through the river system um, from the upper reaches. So Minnesota, Wisconsin, like we normally would see in a typical year. There is snow up there, but nothing like what we saw last year or in 2019. So um, so that that's kind of the story for the Mississippi River. Um, for local rivers, as one can kind of assume, we've got a lot of snow on the ground. We saw a lot of 
it melt or compact here the last couple of days with the warm weather. Uh, but we still are looking at anywhere from three to four inches of liquid in the snow. So um, that's that's a lot of liquid <laughs> that we're going to be putting into our local rivers. So we, we do have maybe a higher chance than what we saw last year on our local rivers. Because locally last year, we didn't have a whole lot of snow. Um, so we were really focused on the Mississippi. But this year, we're more focused on our local smaller rivers um, to see some flooding this year. How much of that for the, the smaller local rivers is ice jam related? Um, actually, I don't think a whole lot is ice jam related. Okay. Uh, we didn't have a whole lot of ice development on the rivers. We do have some on the rivers now because of the cold that we had here the last few weeks. But uh, compared to a normal year, normally we, we are getting ice to develop on the rivers in December and January. And, and that just thickens up as we get through the winter. And we come into this time of year with the really thick ice on the rivers. So when it breaks up, you're going to have these big chunks of ice pushing together and jamming up and causing ice jamming. Uh, but this year we weren't able to get that ice that thick. So that's kind of giving us more hope, I guess, that it's going to melt slower and it's just going to nicely melt and uh, give us a less chance for ice jamming issues. If we could go through a year without having any ice jamming on the Rock River, I, I might have to just leave or something <laughs> because that just never happens. <laughs> right, it seems that way anyway. Uh, we got lucky too because we we seem to forget that our winter started off so warm because we're right. so focused on this cold spell that we just got out of. Uh, but that's something that you've been talking about too, where the warm start and then the combination of getting the snow on the ground right after that warm start kind of helped insulate the ground a little bit. So really frost this year isn't too much of an issue, it sounds like. No, it really isn't. Uh, you know, typically, you know, we might see a foot of frozen ground across the area. This year we're looking at well less than a foot. Uh, a lot of areas are maybe four inches, uh, less than that. I think at our office, we are at three, three and a half inches as of uh, yesterday. So that's not very much. So that's going to not take very much time to thaw out. And then once the ground's thawed, that, that moisture from snow melt or from any more snow we might get yet this season or any rainfall, it's gonna be able to infiltrate into the ground and soak in rather than it all becoming straight runoff into the rivers. So that's a really important piece of the puzzle uh, that that has happened this year. And I know a lot of people were really kind of floored by, hey, how did we not freeze the ground? And, and didn't quite realize that the impact that this deep snow we had played in that uh, for, for instance, as, or as an example. So we don't have much here. Looking out west into the Dakotas, uh, South Dakota in general, because they parts of that state have zero snow cover. So when this cold air that we had the last few weeks came in, they froze their ground down to 40 plus inches. So where we may have froze our ground a couple inches with that cold, they, yeah, 40. <laughs> so um, it, it makes a difference. That snow cover really, uh, really played a big part in helping us reduce our flood risk this year. 
That's crazy. 40-some inches. <laughs> Which isn't atypical, really, for up there. But going into that cold snap, uh, they, it wasn't anywhere near that. I don't know what the, the frost depth was at that time going into that uh, those weeks, but it definitely wasn't 40 inches. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man, that's crazy. You want to jump in with one, Morgan? Kind of break it up a little bit if you got one. Yeah, um, I guess I had one and now I'm spacing on it. Um, I guess going, I'm just kind of going off your list, Andrew, because I do like the what would have to change or what conditions would we have to see in the coming weeks for to create a worst case scenario or to see our flood risk elevate more? I would say either we get uh, uh, an extensive amount of precipitation uh, really to get a worst case scenario a heavy rain event on top of all this snow would probably be our worst case scenario at this point another batch of cold air isn't going to do anything to our, our frost depth or anything so it, it's really adding moisture on top of what we already have and melting that snow really fast so if we would have a really strong storm system come up, say, giving us 50, 60 degree temperatures, 40 degree dew points, strong, strong south winds, just really pushing a lot of warm air over our snowpack. That would probably melt our, a lot of the snow within like a day or two. And that would be bad. <laughs> um, that's what we don't want. Uh, so that, and then if we had say two, three inches of rain on top of that, uh, then then we would be having issues for sure. So with the current temperatures or how the next two weeks is looking, it does look like we're kind of in this slower gradual warm up. So that's yeah. looking good in terms of slowly melting our snow at the moment, right? Yes. Yeah. And, and what we like to see is, you know, these 40s during the day, 50s might be pushing it a little more than I like, but 40s uh, during the day and then going below freezing at night. That is a really important piece uh, to slowing down the runoff is that it can freeze at night. So if you would look at uh, a trace from one of the area rivers, more likely one of the smaller rivers, you would be able to see like the rising and then the dropping and then the rising and the dropping showing you're getting runoff and then it shuts off. And then you get more runoff, then it shuts off because of that that perfect scenario uh, temperatures. Uh, but when we stay above, yeah, freezing overnight, that's when you're getting your constant snow melt happening. And uh, and while it might be slowing down during the night hours, it, it's still remaining constant. But but yeah, what we're looking at the next uh, week or so is is kind of ideal. Um, we had a couple days that were really warm. We got, again, I, I think we got a lot of compaction more than actual melting the last couple of days. Um, and we did get melting. We did see some runoff, especially in the southern parts of the area. Uh, but here, we didn't see, I, I, going outside my house, it, it just seems like, you know, we've really densed up that snowpack and uh, there's there's a lot of water in it. Um, and one of our, my coworkers took a snow core at his place today, this morning, and he had 3.3 inches in a, of liquid in a 10 inch um, depth of snow. 
And mind you, the bottom layer of that is a like three inch layer of ice from our ice storms early in January. So, um, so it's, we got a lot of liquid in there. Um, but I don't even know where I was going on with that. I just <laughs> started, started ambling. Um, but, but yeah, so, so anyway, yeah, I was saying the, the, the last few days we got that compaction, but now we're seeing some cooler days, uh, you know, so that slowed things down a little bit. Then this weekend, maybe warming up a little bit more again. So I'm sure we'll see a lot of that kind of reach its breaking point and start some good melting um, for a few days. And then maybe we cool off a little bit again. So um, yeah, this is what we'd like to see for sure. <laughs> awesome. That's good that we're getting that nice thaw and freeze and thaw and freeze and now at once. That's good to know. That's a good Yeah, one. for sure. Um, what's some of the stuff behind the scenes? I'll get into that because I'm sure there's a lot of stuff that goes into putting these forecasts together. And, and my mind can't even begin, begin to wrap around some of the stuff that you probably have to look at, analyze, and all that. So how do you make these outlooks? We've got another one coming up uh, tomorrow, I believe. And then we've got another one coming up in March for the spring flood outlooks. Where do you even start with this? So, so yeah, there's a lot of people that are looking into this <laughs> and we all collaborate. And this is within uh, our local offices here. So our Davenport office. Uh, then we work with the North Central River Forecast Center, which is up in um, Chanhassen, Minnesota. They are the, the office that runs our, our forecast models for the rivers all the time. Um, but for Spring Flood Outlook, they are running different analyses to look at you know, say like the past 40 some, 50 some years, depending on uh, the, the period of record on each particular forecast point that we have. And they look at the scenarios from each of those years. And then they look at the conditions we have today and see how today's conditions would have played out in all those different years and, and put it into a big statistical analysis. And then we get numbers from that. So that's kind of the base of, of what we look at. So we have those numbers uh, that, that we use, and those are sent in the outlooks uh, that we did a couple weeks ago, and that will come out tomorrow and then in March. Uh, so, so we look at those, but then, you know, you have to also look at all this other data that is out there. And, you know, so that's looking at our, our soil moisture and the, the frost depth and uh, the river levels and um and the snow what's on the ground and and then our, our forecasts our precipitation and our temperature forecasts um and then we're looking at ice what's on what's in the ice so we're using satellite imagery to to kind of determine that and we use uh observers across the region to provide us input on on how much water is in the snow and what the ice is looking like on the rivers and all of this data is coming from like a million different sources. <laughs> um, you know, again, we use just people who are volunteering to, yeah, satellite, radar, um, yeah, forecast models, um, just, yeah, other computer models. Uh, so, so all this is just coming together and we're uh, 
trying to bring all this information and put it into one type of a document <laughs> that uh, kind of looks at what the, the pluses, minuses are and, and kind of determine what this overall potential for flooding is. Um, and then, you know, we're always looking at, okay, well, this is always determinate on what the weather does in the coming months. And so, so you're looking at climate outlooks and, you know, and those are being done not locally uh, because we don't, we don't uh, focus on the long-term forecast here in our lo local office. We focus on the seven day forecast. Uh, so, so, you know, we have to rely on other people to give us that information and uh, yeah, lots of coordination, a lot of, you know, we probably start working on this stuff you know, weeks ahead of time. And so when we put the initial outlook out a couple of weeks ago, you know, we sent everything out on Thursday and then, you know, maybe gave ourselves like a day and then it's starting to look at everything and how everything's changing to uh, start putting things together for the one that's going to get sent out tomorrow. Yeah, so there's a lot of moving parts in this, it sounds like, not only in terms of like your current state of affairs, but you're looking at, you know, your forecast too, it sounds like. Right. And, and things change daily. <laughs> so uh, when you put together, uh, you know, a group of images or, or some, some messaging to send out and you take a, a screenshot of, say, our, 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 our um, snow depth today, well, tomorrow, if you had a big melt event, it's completely different. So, uh, you know, things change so quickly. And so you have to be adaptive to how that could change. So even, uh, for instance, I'll, I'll give uh, the Lemoyne River uh, down in Calmar. That's one of our forecast points uh, southeast of the Quad Cities. And up till two days ago, uh, we were kind of thinking they had a fairly normal to high, higher risk of, of some minor flooding there. Uh, well, in the last two days, they pretty much lost all of their snow cover. And we, we've been watching a rise there, but it hasn't quite gotten, it doesn't look like it's going to quite get to flood stage there. So now, okay, well, this outlook tomorrow we have to consider that, okay, they have no more, no more snow there. So their risk has gone down significantly for any additional flooding this spring. Yeah, it's crazy how rapidly that changes. That's <laughs> mm -hmm. why we do these updates every two weeks because <laughs> everything can change so fast. Yeah. Uh, and with the changes too, how has kind of technology been incorporated to improve the accuracy of, of these kind of forecasts over the years? Well, I think a lot of how maybe more accurate they could be is just the, the amount of data that we have now. I mean, every year we get more data and more data uh, from various sources and it's easier to get that data. Uh, so, so that in itself is, is something that's going to help the forecast uh, as yeah the, the more the more input your output's going to be better so I think that's probably the the main point with that or how how any technology could help that that whole process 
Is there anything that the general public and even people that might be listening to this can do to add more to that data pile, if you will? I don't know if you take information maybe from snowfall reports after events or, or things like that. Is that something that people in the public that are listening now could do to help out with some of that data input? Absolutely. Uh, we will always take data, uh, especially in the winter. Uh, something we're dealing with now is getting good snow core data. So how much moisture is in your, in your snowpack, um, which is extremely difficult now because of the ice at the bottom of, of our snowpack. So in a, in a typical year, it's not that big of a deal. You, you take your rain gauge, make a little hole in the, in the snow, and you take all the snow that comes in your gauge, and you, uh, and you melt it, and you get your, your amount of moisture. And that is one of the key factors that go into our, into our forecast models and into these outlooks so we know how much water we're actually dealing with. Uh, but when people have to have... Uh, ice picks to get through that layer. Uh, you know, you can't just stick your rain gauge down like, like normal. Um, you have to have some sort of uh, instrument to, to punch through that ice and get that, uh, that ice in, involved in your, in your liquid. Uh, so, so that's been something that we're, we're trying to get more reports of uh, as of right now, actually. I think we sent out a, a request to some of our uh, observers today to ask them if they would go get uh, some snow cores for us. So anyway, snow cores are big, um, but any, any snowfall reports, any, um, any rainfall reports, or uh, if, if you live on a river and you see the ice on the river that's developing, um, or if you have any idea of what to, what's going on on the, the ice on the river, we don't get to see that a lot of times uh, unless we're out. And especially now um, where we're not traveling to meetings or anything, uh, I don't get out to, to drive over a lot of these rivers. So I don't know what's going on on a lot of our local rivers unless I hear back from someone who's able to see it and, and give us an idea of what, what the river looks like. Um, so any of those kind of reports are, are great. I mean, you can, anybody can go on our Facebook page. Anyone can go on to Twitter and, and uh, send us uh, a report at any time. Um, we will take any information and data we can ever get. So uh, it, it definitely helps inform us and make our decisions. Uh, so, so yes, <laughs> yes, we'll take it. <laughs> All right, folks, there's your call to action. Get the, get us the data. <laughs> That's all I have on my list anyway. Um, anything else that you thought of, Morgan, you want to punch away at or? No, no. Um, no, I think I'm, I'm, I'm good. Awesome. Yeah. You know, the only other thing, which might not even be that big of a deal anymore, is that we've been trying to message is just with the amount of snow is the, you know, try to get your, the snow away from your foundations, like yes. around your house and stuff. Uh, so keep it away from your foundations, keep your, uh, the storm drains unplugged, unclogged. Uh, you know, those are going to th be things that will help just property owners. It's not going to be necessarily river flooding uh, issues, but to keep people from having issues with their own properties, uh, it's some 
some points to kind of throw out to folks um, because of the amount of snow we have around here. So uh, we'll, we'll just see how things go this, this spring and, you know, maybe even a week from now, we might not have much snow on the ground anymore. So uh, we'll, we'll see how things go and hopefully just got to get a nice slow melt here for the next week and we don't get any more snow. That would be my, <laughs> my goal <laughs> as if I have anything to do with that, but. <laughs> oh, we totally know we all do. I mean, we right. <laughs> I'm hopeful for that too, though. I'm, I'm still pessimistic as I posted on Twitter the other day. Like I, I think we're being lulled into like a false sense of, security that you know all the worst is behind us in terms of snow and that maybe for cold but it's like yeah March is just seems like one of those months where you're gonna get a, a fastball thrown at you when you least expect it right and that that's why you know to say the but there's always the potential of getting one of those monster storms to come yeah. up and give us two three inches of rain on top of this snow is not out of the question at, at all. I mean, it's happened before, it'll happen again. And just just have to hope we get rid of the snow before we get that system to come through us. Yes. Um, yeah. <laughs> That's our hope. And it looks like we're on the yes. right track if we can just stay on this path for a few more weeks yet into March. Yep. That we're gonna be in good shape. Yeah, it looks like the, these next this next round is gonna stay over the Ohio Valley and like they can take it. <laughs> I don't want it so. Oh yeah. Let oh the, yeah. When that, the southern uh, areas have it. <laughs> monster winter storm that went down to Texas and up yes. to the Ohio River Basin. I was talking to my family members in Indianapolis and I was like, you guys can take that. Like yes. we're looking at a 12 to 16 inch snow depth out here. You guys have three. You can have yeah. I mean, and it's nice to know, okay, yeah, the chances of us getting that, you know, another big cold snap is very, you know, it's pretty low. I mean, we could get cold, but what we saw earlier, you know, that's, that's the likelihood is not very high. Uh, so, you know, if we do get snow, okay, it's not going to stay around forever, but still, <laughs> it doesn't mean I want it anymore. I'm with you. Yeah, I'm totally with you on that. Absolutely. <laughs> Anything else yeah. you want to throw in, Jessica? Anything? I don't think so. I think we kind of yeah, covered the gamut. Yeah. So. Yeah, I think that covered it really well. You always do a good job with these and explaining and keeping it simple and easy for people Try to understand. <laughs> Try. Yeah, you know, it's, I mean, it, it really is kind of basic concepts. You know, the, the more snow, the wetter the ground, the more rain, you know, it, it's, it's, pretty simple it's just when you get into how does it all combine together and what factors are higher than others um you know and I, I mean I know I talked to some people like Cedar Rapids area and they were like we have all this snow we're gonna have another 2008 flood and it's like well no you know let's let's look at what we're what we're talking about here these are different types of scenarios yeah, we have a lot of snow, but if we look, you know, we have to look at our entire watershed and see how much snow was in the entire watershed and, and see how that's all going to affect, affect your particular area. Uh, you know, the, the Rock River 
is one that is probably one of our higher concerns this year because the entire watershed is in that deep snowpack. Um, some other smaller rivers, mostly in northwest Illinois into west central Illinois, are, are really the watersheds that have like the entire watershed covered with that two to four inches of yeah. liquid in it. So, uh, so those are the that's the thing we have to look at. You have to look at the whole watershed holistically and not just your particular area. And, and that's a concept that we found a lot of people don't necessarily understand. They know county borders, they know state borders, they don't know their watershed uh, and where their water actually comes from. So that's so why I've kind of tried to really discuss a lot of that. And especially for the Mississippi, which we've done in the last couple of years, is we have to pay attention to what's going on in Minnesota. We have to pay attention to what's going on in Wisconsin, not just here in Davenport or in Rock Island or Moline, because that doesn't tell the whole story. So. Yeah, it's important to know those uh, source regions. For sure, for sure. So it's, you know, there's definitely that uh, education aspect of it too. So I kind of went off on another tangent there. <laughs> but, it's anyway. totally relevant, totally relevant though. Yeah. yeah. So. All right, cool. Well, thank you again for uh, meeting. All right. I want to thank you, Jessica, for joining us on the podcast today. Also, thank you to meteorologist Morgan Strackbein for joining us as well. That'll do it for this episode of Head in the Clouds. If you've got a topic you would like us to talk about, Feel free and drop us a line. Our contact information can be found at WQAD.com. You can also find us via social media as well on Facebook and on Twitter. Thanks for listening.